How's it going, everyone? Hope everyone's having a fantastic day. And you know what time it is. I invite you to pull up a chair, sit back, and relax, and welcome you to yet another episode of the SPEMA Council podcast, the first for 2022. We're back to uh, this this online stuff again. <laughs> Certainly nothing that uh, we would have hoped for based on what we had in the first semester. So with that in mind, you know, there, there's no question that there's a lot of uncertainty going around. So I just hope everyone's doing okay, uh, both physically and, me- and, and, and mentally. As the old saying goes, this too shall pass. It's not going to be like this forever. So I do hope, you know, you're hanging in there and you're having um, a great first week back at uh, at Brock, which is the reason why I have this uh, little throwback jersey on that uh, was worn during I think the 2018 Steelblade Steelblade Classic. This is the uh, this was the name of um, the Brock sports teams before they were the Badgers, uh, the Brock Generals. Uh, if you if you if you if you knew that, well, uh, well, 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 good on you. But if you did, well, now you know. But um, it's a little bit of an an. an an unorthodox, excuse me, an unorthodox episode for a variety of reasons because um, uh, we will get uh, to uh, get to uh, regular episodes with guests uh, later uh, in January for sure. But uh, to get you pumped up for the second half of season three, we put together a little compilation of the best of um, the first half of season three had to had had the offer so you're going to see a bunch of clips from uh from from some of the episodes that we that that we that we recorded um it, it's 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 full it's filled it's full filled with a collection of great sound bites quotes and great advice from uh the guests that we've had on uh during uh the first half of 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 of, C, of season three so we hope you. We hope you. We hope you enjoy. We hope this gives you a bit of a distraction from, you know, the uh, from you know the uncertain world out there. And just and uh, just and just know that uh, we will be back uh, with regular uh, episodes with new and exciting guests very soon. Uh, for all guest announcements and for all episode previews, as always. Be sure to be sure to stay tuned to our socials on Instagram at Spima Council Podcast and on TikTok same 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 handle for like I said episode previews and some stellar content as well. But without further ado, let's get on to the best of of C, of season three, the first half that is. And once again, we hope you enjoy and we hope you've had a great first week uh, back at Brock to start the winter term. Cheers, everyone, and enjoy. Would you be able to share a few ways that students can stay mentally sharp to ensure that they're making the most out of their year as we head closer to September and possibly some in-person classes throughout the year? Yeah, I think the first thing that I probably would say to that is for all of you guys, you know, I just call it permission to transition because it has been, you know, such a year and 
it's funny because, you know, I know even for me, as much as I miss human connection and I'm all about people, it was, you know, I remember when they first started talking about opening up, I thought, oh my God, like I have to get back to like, I got so used to doing this. Like, I have to <laughs> you know, yeah. it was weird. Like, oh my God, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So permission to transition, whatever your experience has been like, um, whatever you might go through, I think it's a transition period for everybody. And as long as you give yourself a little bit of grace for that. So just to all students, if you're struggling or something seems weird and it wasn't before and it is now and you or you're anxious or whatever it is you're experiencing, it's okay. You know, give yourself a little bit of grace and just use that little tagline. Like I'm giving myself permission to transition because over time, you will get used to it the same way we adapted to COVID. You know, you can think if anybody had ever told us before COVID started, this is what the next year, year and a half of life, this pandemic is going to come take over the world and you're going to be stuck at home and there will be no schools and no stores and no restaurants. Like we would have thought like, there's no way we could survive this. I even remember my kids, we were about a month in and one of my sons said to me, I'm going out. I'm like, you're not going anywhere. He's like, I'm going out. I can't take it anymore. Like, I don't know. Right. But yet somehow we all survived it. Mm -hmm. So give yourself that grace and allow yourself to transition whatever you're going through. It's okay. Um, you don't have to fight against it. I find when we fight against that stuff or our emotions, it kind of will own you. So if you're anxious or if you're nervous, excited, like whatever you're feeling, honestly, just like, you know, I'm noticing that I'm feeling this um, because of this. And if you allow it to flow in, it will flow out. And like we kind of talked about trust yourself in the beginning, right? We talked about that. You will figure it out. And in time, you will transition and it will get better. So that's probably the biggest thing that I would say right now. Um, the next thing I might say is just prepare, like anything that you can do right now to prepare, like what could I put in place so that my transition when school or classes starts is a little bit easier. Whatever you can get organized and prepared now, do that because it'll just make everything a lot easier. And then, you know, once you're in school, um, I kind of use this tagline with my athletes. I always tell them if you want a winning mind and you want a winning game, then we use this win statement, which stands for what's important now. So on any given day, you know, it's really just it kind of grounds you back to the present. What's important now, whatever it is you're going through, it, you know, we can get overwhelmed, we get stressed out, but just stop for a second, take a deep breath and say, what's important now? And, you know, it, it, I think it just is very grounding, helps you to figure it out, identify what the key factors and important issues are in that moment. And then you can now strategize to figure out what to do with it. Um, and just, uh, you know, a couple final tips, I think I always tell students to just like time block your schedule. I talk a lot about how to win a day. So every morning, I mean, it's something that I do too. In the morning, I literally, what are the tasks and goals that I need to accomplish today? And then I identify, like I brainstorm a list. What's the non-negotiables? Like what's something that those get a star that actually have to be done. And then I will time block it into my schedule. Like if I have an appointment here, for you guys, it'll be, okay, well, I have class, 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 but I have this big exam coming up or this project to work on. So I would time block it and literally schedule your study time in your schedule, plan it out, and then literally just follow your schedule. If any, if 
any of our listeners, you know, didn't care for the first five for the first five questions, this last question is unbelievable knowledge to take into 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 the into this year. I tell I t- I t- I tell you, if you want to st- set yourself up for success for this year, just listen. Just listen to the, just listen to this because there is there is a plethora of information that you can that you know you, you can take and that you can take from this. And and and, ju- and just and just and just to add on to it, you know, as you're going through that transit transition period, you know, this is a strategy that I, I guess I, I guess I like to use is you know, um, you know, think of a week. There's seven days. There's seven days in 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 a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a week. And you know, I try to go by the phrase, win the week. You know, you can have, you know, every day is not going to, every, every day is not, every day is not going to be perfect, but, you know, try to have at least four, try at least four days that you can look back on and say, yeah, that was, that was a good day. I I I accomplished something. If you, if you, if you had a bad day, that's okay. No one's perfect. It's it's only natural that those days come that those days come up, especially especially now. You know when when the when 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 this COVID crap is is dry is driving ever is driving ever is driving everyone up the wall. As yeah. long as you know, at least try to commit to having to having a minimum of four good of four good days. Then 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 you, then then you know you're you're you know you're you're, you're I I tend to think that you know it's 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 work it's you know it's work it's work it's work well for, it's work well for me and you know it, it might it might work out work well for you and if you don't have those if you don't have those four good days if you have three or two or one or none and you need to take a break do it it's all part of of of, of that of of that of that transition period you you were you were you were, t- you were taught you were talking about and if you need to take that break take it and try to win and try to win the next week, you know? Um, but, um, but, but, well, that's uh, a really great statement. And just one thing that I know really helped me. I heard somebody say one day is just try to make yourself 1% better every day, whether that's, I think I said that. Yeah. Was that, was that you? It was either you or the other women or the other lady on the speaker series. But that was really something that I took away from that night was just, make yourself 1% better every day. Um, whether that be like the smallest thing, like if that means for you, like getting outside for a walk for 10 minutes, like you're making yourself 1% better for getting out there and getting some fresh air and clearing your mind. Like 1% for everybody is going to look different. So whatever that may be for you, just try to do one thing for yourself every day to make you feel good. And I can promise you, you'll feel better. From an operation standpoint, you know what what are the main differences uh, between uh, between the junior level or or, prof- or, prof- or professional or professional or the professional level? It can be in terms of you know the or- the or- the organize the organization, the resources that you have to work with, uh, the types the types of players that you that you have that you know you have to um, see how you how you can how you can make better anything like that. Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, going in, I, I don't think I really understood the differences between the two levels. I just assumed a hockey team would kind of have the resources available to, to be successful. And um, definitely with the Newfoundland Growlers, uh, you know, in a professional setting, uh, you know, it's done a little bit differently. Things are a little bit tighter. The budget is 
maybe a little more free flowing um, just with revenue and things like that. And uh, the Newfoundland Growlers are an ECHL affiliate of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So as you can imagine, uh, money was not as tight um, in that organization and uh, no. definitely some more resources. And um, I, I was lucky enough to get in there and, uh, and be involved as a hockey operations intern, but uh, you know, through a connection that I had made uh, a couple summers before at a, at just actually working at a summer camp, it's, it's crazy where the opportunities come from. But uh, with that opportunity, uh, I was really involved in everything from ticket sales, uh, community services. I was dressed up as mascots, doing community events, all that fun stuff. Don't um, tell don't tell me you were dressed up as Buddy the Puffin. I was on, on multiple <laughs> occasions. Yeah, it That's was great. Um, That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't take credit for the in game. Um, that is a, a special individual who has been um, thriving in that role for many years. But um, from time to time, I would uh, take on that task in, in between doing video breakdown and some analytics. And um, again, you know, at the pro level, uh, you're, you're really just trying to, to show you have what it takes to make it at that level. And um, that was kind of what I was trying to do. Um, and I, I jumped in at the right time. We ended up winning the Kelly Cup during my internship. Uh, kind of got to get the championship feel and in the, the parades and the partying and all that fun stuff, but um, a unique opportunity. And then as you mentioned with Sarnia, um, a very different situation, of course, an outstanding organization and, um, and Dylan Sika, you know, one of the best general managers in the CHL, uh, very open to bringing me in, but in junior hockey budgets are definitely very different. Um, you know, things are a little bit tighter and, and just, again, the nature of it's junior hockey, you're dealing with younger kids, you have to go about things a certain way. So, um, I definitely learned a lot there as well, more so involved directly in the hockey operations department, um, just aiding through analytics, but. Um, both opportunities are great. And, and to be honest with you, um, I would suggest either if you were looking for an internship, especially in hockey operations, I think there's value in both the junior game and the pro game, but uh, definitely fortunate to be involved in both and, and uh, you know, have some success, uh, especially with the growlers there in the, uh, in the Kelly Cup run. Fast forward a couple years, um, and uh, and 2019 was a was a bit was uh, was a bit of a milestone for you, uh, to put it lightly, as that was the founding year for uh, for your business, Shop Dresser. Um, I, ju- I just want to understand what was the motivation behind uh, behind making the decision to uh, to found your own business and start up in the apparel space. Um, Yeah, I'll try and make a very long story short, but I may ramble on a bit, so bear with me. No worries. Um, worries. (laughs) I came from a very entrepreneurial background, Um, so my parents are both entrepreneurs. Sometimes when I would be in corporate life, my parents would literally like be like, "Just, just quit your job, like just start a business." And I was like, "Oh, it's so easy. You can't just quit your job." But okay. Um, so when I was in high school, my parents owned a competitive cheerleading gym and I would do like all the like apparel designs for us and the website designs. And we would always have my designs sent off to a printer and someone would print them and we'd get them back. And I'd always be like, Oh, I bet I could do this for so much cheaper. Like, I bet I could do this one day when I get a heat press. Like it was like a running joke that one day I would have a heat press and now have heat press. So that's great. Um, So it all came, like, came around. It was good. Um, But anyways, after Brock, I worked in sport for a couple years and I worked for like IndyCar and I worked for NASCAR and 
in Canada, that's not something, unfortunately, there's many like full-time positions in. So it was just after that kind of taking what I could get. And I was working in hockey at the time, which like, no offense to hockey, but I hate it. Um, so <laughs> it's like, I know everyone has their sports, but it, it's definitely not mine. So I wasn't exactly sure why I was working in hockey and I was having like a little bit of an existential crisis. Like I was, after I graduated, I really went through a hard time of like post-grad depression and figuring out like, if I wasn't a student, who was I? And at the time I was in a long distance relationship with a guy from Queens. So I spent a lot of my time in the car listening to podcasts. And do you know who Jay Shetty is? Do you ever listen to Jay Shetty? I'm that no. name may sound familiar, but I may need a refresher. <laughs> he's a, he's not a sports podcast guy. He's like um he's a former monk actually, and teaches people about purpose and well being. I would highly recommend him if you haven't listened to him before. But he was basically talking about an episode in an episode, saying like how do you find your passion and your purpose? Like, and he was like, one of the number one ways you can do that is to look at your credit card statement. So if you look at your credit card statement and you spend all your money, like on streaming services for like games or like going to football games or going to hockey games, like you can tell that like you're passionate about sports. And he was like, what do you do in your free time? And I started to analyze like what I did in my free time and none of it was sports related. And I was like, am I really that passionate about sports? Why do I want to work in this industry? Like, what am I chasing and why? And I kind of analyzed, I gave myself like a little psychotherapy session. um, And was like, you know what? Maybe like I've been chasing this because my dad loves extreme sports. And on some level, I just want to impress him and make him think that I'm interesting. So he can tell his friends, his daughter works for NASCAR. And there's something about like, women in extreme sports that's like attractive on some level like men like when women can talk sports with them and like I was really like digging into this and I was like why am I doing this if it's really not who I am I don't talk about sports I don't go to events like I don't do any of this whose dream am I chasing so existential crisis taking place in the car um so that was fun And so I started to analyze like what I do spend my money on and what I am passionate about. And a lot of it came down to fashion. Like I love fashion and I love like presenting your passion, literally wearing your heart on your sleeve and saying like, I don't go to Queens, but like, I'm a queen student. Like this is who I'm proud to wear this. You're wearing a Brock sport management t-shirt because you're proud to be part of like Brock sport management. And like a lot of people do that of course we tell stories of who we are through our clothing and a number of events kind of led up to what dresser has now became but like I said my boyfriend was a queen student and he asked me to come to homecoming with him and I was at work one day and just decided that I was going to like design a t-shirt for myself for homecoming because I went on the queen's like bookstore website and I didn't see anything that like really spoke to me I wanted something that was like a little more edgy and a little more fashionable and said, basically, like, I don't go to Queens, but still, hey, like, and I was going to figure out how to print a t-shirt. I was like, this is my mission to figure out how to print a t-shirt for myself. So I made a design that said, I kissed a gale and I liked it. And I was like, that's funny. That's edgy. Like, I think this is super cute. 
And I literally bought like an inkjet printer and transfer paper that you would like print out an image and iron it on with like an iron. It's like the worst quality. I still have it. Wine stains all over it. Like it's just like terrible, but like I don't want to get rid of it because it's like the first thing, one of the first things I ever made. And I made a couple of designs and this was all, I was living in a basement apartment in Etobicoke, like trying to make t-shirts like in this guy's basement. And a couple of people said to me, like, we really like that. Do you think you could make us a design for homecoming? And I was like, sure. Like, let me see what I can do. So I made a couple of designs that said like post-grad and sad because I felt that. And I thought Queen students might feel that too. Um, hot Gale Hoko, Gale's Gone Wild, like that kind of stuff. And I sold like seven shirts to my friends. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I was like, this could, maybe I could do like make some shirts and do this like on the side or whatever. Um, and then I was like, maybe I could do something for St. Patty's Day. Like there's not really any specific St. Patty's Day merch. So I kept on working in my hockey job and I'd go home at night. And because I wasn't doing anything after work, I didn't know anyone in the GTA. Like I was like, oh, I'll build a business. Um, I made a bunch of like St. Patty's Day shirts and I was kind of like, same thing. My like brand is very like edgy, sarcastic. Like it has like a very distinct brand voice. And I don't know if you know the like competition between like Aberdeen and Ezra, like as like the party streets for like Queens and Laurier. That that's, that's a rivalry in itself. Yes, exactly. So I made shirts for St. Patty's Day that said Ezra didn't get accepted to Queens. And people were like, love that. Because I wanted to like humanize Ezra and be like, hey, that guy sucks. And he couldn't even get into Queens. (laughs) And like, what's funny is when I was applying for university, I couldn't even figure out the Queens website. Like, I was like, if I can't figure out what programs they offer, I'm definitely not smart enough to go here. Um, So it's funny now that I'm like making merch for them saying like, oh, this guy's not smart enough to get into Queens. But in reality, I couldn't get into it's like it just wasn't happening but that's not the point um and so my goal was to sell 25 shirts and I sold 75 and I was like shit (laughs) like I was like this could be something um and then the pandemic happened and I don't want to get into like the whole story but that was basically the beginning of it was I started making shirts and realized that like my passion wasn't necessarily in sports it was maybe in something different um and started to go down that career path so during your time at the world championships kind of take us through what a typical game day would look like such as um duties you have to accomplish or even some events that you had to react super quickly to kind of take us through um, how you dealt with those and what you kind of do on a daily basis. Yeah, so I've been fortunate to be a part of two world championship teams. Both were actually in Ostrava, Czech Republic. Uh, This most recent one um, was during the pandemic, right? So it looked a lot different than than the one in, I guess, 2019 uh, or 2020. So the big thing for us um, is making sure that we're doing our part in, in staying healthy, right, and staying safe. So usually in the mornings, it would start with a, uh, a COVID test. Uh, so we'd go down and they'd have nursing stations set, set up at the hotel. The hotel was in a bubble format, so we weren't able to either leave the hotel or the rink. So we'd have kind of designated um, 
event staff to transport us uh, to run and, and get whatever supplies we may need or equipment that we may need. But it would start with a COVID test in the morning and then we typically have breakfast. Uh, and then soon thereafter, we'd go to a pregame skate uh, at the rink. Uh, once we get to the rink, you know, we, we, have, uh, we have equipment managers that, you know, go to the rink 6 a.m. Like you gotta, if you've ever been a part of a hockey team, Young Sun heroes of, of the world are the, the equipment guys. They're there. First one's there in the morning, last one's that leave. And so they're, they're there doing their thing even prior to, to us getting there. And then typically we would take, a, take the group, uh, myself, I would take them through an active warm-up. So the guys would check their equipment and we'd go through an active warm-up, make sure that they're ready, uh, whether that's uh, a foam rolling or mobility prep, some band work, um, those types of things. Uh, and then we'd, we'd monitor. So as a, as a healthcare provider, we're always overseeing on ice activity just to make sure that in the case of, you know, emergency that we're there and, and we have kind of our emergency access plan ready to go. Heaven forbid something happens. Um, and then after, after practice, we would, uh, you know, do it. We take them through a cool down, go through the nutrition, high performance habits, get our protein shakes in, get our recovery methods going. Uh, and then we'd head back to the hotel. We might do a, a post-meal uh, snack or post-meal game. Uh, and then typically the players have some, a little bit of time where they can, you know, take a, take a nap or, or get rested uh, before we go through pretty much that same process uh, prior to the game. So then we, you know, work our way up pre-game meal, travel. Uh, we go through the same warm-ups that we do, a lot of habits, right? Um, and then the coaches would do their kind of on-ice um, coaches chat or, or sorry, pre-game kind of coaches chat. And then once we get onto the ice, it's, it's showtime. All eyes are on the, on the players and, and we're just there to make sure that uh, if we're needed or called upon, then, then we're ready to go. So a lot of our work from a medical team happens before beforehand. And then uh, we're, we're there just really in case of emergencies. Were, uh, were there any, were there any emergencies that you had, that, yeah, that you sort of had to, re had to react, had to re had to react to, or was this, or was this a, uh, uh, um, or was this a relatively quote unquote easy easy tournament where where you did, where you didn't really have any um, any 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 major any major in, 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 injur, injuries because you know because you know sledge hockey is a lot more a lot more violent than people than people than people than people than people re than people realize you know not only not only are you not only do the sleds have super sharp blades. But they've got, but correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got these picks at the end at, at, uh, at, uh, at the, at, at the top, at the top of their, at the top of their sticks that people, that's, uh, that, that play, that play, that players use. And there's a risk that, uh, that, the, that the players can get, uh, can, can get, can get, can get nicked, nicked up accidentally from those. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that haven't had a chance to watch it yet, it's, uh, truly a, an amazing sport to watch. It's, you know, high flying, lots of contact, everything that, you know, hockey brings, it, it has. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, there's kind of a component of mid medieval jousting as well out there, right? These guys are on, on sleds that uh, are made of steel or aluminum and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to watch, but unfortunately, yeah, it comes with, you know, a high degree of, of contact and sometimes injury as well. So we, unfortunately at worlds, we had a few fractures, um, that we had to deal with. So, you know, part of part of our management as a medical staff is then, you know, to that individual player, preparing them for transport, managing shock, 
making sure that we're doing what we need to do to create a long-term management plan for those athletes to get them ready for that next event, whenever that may be. So yeah, lacerations, like you mentioned as well. So for those that don't know, it's like you're holding basically two mini sticks and on the end, there's kind of razor blades and, and picks right on the end to allow them to skate. Right. So those can absolutely, um, you know, go to vulnerable areas and, and, uh, when guys are, uh, scratching and clawing for pox, loose pox are in the corners. Um, they definitely become a risk. And, and yeah, we always have, uh, we always travel with Hockey Canada with, with doctors, team doctors as well. And uh, it would, it's definitely not uncommon to have lacerations uh, be, a, be a, an injury that we have to manage. So lots yeah. of, lots of excitement uh, from a medical standpoint. Um, and you're, you kind of always have to be on your toes preparing for that worst situation. It's, one of those things where if you prepare for the worst, it usually never happens, but it's one of those things where when you're not prepared, that's when something's going to happen. So we always make sure that we're, we're doing our part from medical staff and, and coordinating with host medical to make sure that the appropriate steps are in place to heaven forbid something does happen that, you know, we can quickly and swiftly manage it. So we've, we've talked about how to be a good leader and we've heard from a, um, a lot of great leaders. Can you share the importance of some of the characteristics of how to build effective leaders? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a journey, right? I've talked to the class about leadership being a journey mm -hmm. and you're not born a, a great leader, but you take all these different experiences from along the way and you figure out what can make you the best possible leader right and i think in the last class i i said you know write down all those things that all the bad leaders have, have done and then do opposite because oftentimes you learn you learn that way right you don't want to fall into some of those traps that maybe some previous leaders had fallen into and by the way no one's perfect and everybody's going through that leadership journey so that's okay um, but hopefully they are, you know, those leaders are recognizing some of the challenges that, that they have as well, because it is a journey. But when you're talking about developing leaders, I think there's a number of um, factors that, that we can talk about. Um, being that student of leadership that I talked about, right, recognizing that, you know, as you start to, um, you know, manage people, right, there's certain, there's certain ways that you need to manage people, and you're not you shouldn't just be thrown into that situation, right? It should be something that you are prepared for as an individual, but your company should be preparing you for as an individual as well, right? But leadership's just not about managing people, um, right? Leaders are at all different levels and you can demonstrate leadership uh, wherever you are within an organization. So for me, when I'm trying to talk to people about leadership and, and the first misconception they say to me is well I don't I don't have any people reporting to me that doesn't matter right that that that's whether they report to you or not you can still show leadership in many different ways right exactly are you being innovative are you being creative are you thinking outside of your day-to-day -day routine right everybody's got these functional roles that their job is made up of yeah. but that's expected of you right you're expected to perform the functional roles of your job that's what you're paid for well 
what about this other bucket that I would call, you know, leadership? So for me, if I'm developing leaders, I, I want to make sure I'm empowering people, right? I'm empowering them. I'm giving them the autonomy to figure things out. And that might mean they might succeed. And oftentimes they might fail, but as a leader, I, I may want to let my people fail a little bit so they can learn, right? And, and not, not purposefully or something that's going to be a major detriment to the company, but that's a learning experience, right? I, I want to give people the autonomy to figure some things out on their own. I want somebody that, you know, is presented with a problem in a situation to come to me with a proposed solution, right? Not just ask for the answers, right? Right. So I'd like to listen to a, a proposed solution. And I think that's, I think that's really important. I want to be able to, to have someone that I can coach and develop and that wants to listen and wants to learn. Right. It's, it's very easy for people to get defensive around coaching. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have all the answers Well, no one has all the answers. Right. Um, I think people just need to be prepared to, to listen, to absorb. Uh, and also as a leader that gives feedback, I appreciate people that will say, you know, will will have a conversation or a debate with me along the way and say, you know what, here, here's what I was thinking when I approached that project this way. And this is the strategy I went down the road with. And, you know, Chris, what do you think about, what do you think about this? Did I, did I go the right direction? Did I not? But here was the background as to why I did that, right? They had thought through the process, for example. So as long as there's good discussion and, and um, you know, that person talks to you about the strategy of what they were trying to accomplish, I think then a good coaching session can happen. But, but there has to be two-way um, communication in order for people to, to want to be able to be coached. So, so for me, you know, those are a few different, uh, few different things. And then the last thing I'll say there is, you know, I want to be able to um, reward, reward and recognize, you know, people as well, because I think at some point along the way, you know, we need to create space between, you know, those that are, are going to go on and, and succeed uh, and become future leaders and those that maybe they, they won't be great future leaders, right? We have to, we have to provide opportunities uh, for those that are going to succeed to, to advance and to develop. So we need to reward and recognize our, our, our top performers as well. And I think that part's, that part's really important, uh, specifically in, in, in our industry, in lots of industries, but um, I, believe in, I believe in meritocracy. I believe in, in people rising um, and succeeding and earning uh, their, their way. Yeah. So those are, those are a few uh, areas of how I, I would develop leaders. said you know all of these things that you were able to learn like at sigma promotions you sort of transitioned that into starting your own business with the wheeled brew um i mean obviously other than the fact that it's a bar on wheels what <laughs> like what makes it unique and and why did you kind of go into that like serving private events and birthdays and weddings like what was sort of the decision uh behind that sort of business model yeah, so I think just rolling back a little bit to when I was living in England, again, giving a fresh perspective, um, 
I was able to go to central London to some of the markets um, and northern England, some of the markets, and just see some ingenuity and creativity uh, of businesses that maybe couldn't afford a brick and mortar location um, or had a really cool brand concept. Um, I saw some working with vehicles that they would have in markets. There was one guy who took a, um, a black cab welded up the top, put an espresso tower in, boom, Black Cab Coffee now has multiple locations wow. uh, <laughs> all across the UK. And just things that, you know, just again, expanding your mindset and thinking um, thinking around a roadblock that potentially would get in your way. Uh, so I saw things like that and some interesting, um, some interesting movements. There was a really cool charitable organization called Change Please. Um, which took uh, unfortunate and, and poverty-stricken homeless or mentally ill people and um, kind of put them with a rehabilitation officer and would run coffee carts with them. And once they had worked um, worked a certain amount of hours, that business would then become theirs. Um, so it was a really cool, I don't know if... Uh, if Laura Cousins is still there doing sport for development, uh, she, she, she is. She's actually my. Uh, she's she's actually my uh, uh, professor for uh, strategic strategic alliances, uh, and she, she I think yeah. she does teach sport for development as well. So, yeah. So that was that was one of the another eye opening um, class that I took uh, took there as well because, um, again, going back to that change, please. That was one of the most inspiring, um, inspiring charitable yet progressively entrepreneurial um programs where they were using entrepreneurship and business as a way to grow and develop um and under um under and kind of a stricken category anyways in london but uh just circling back the uh those few things that i saw in those markets really got my brain going and maybe at the time um I was a bit younger, didn't really, I took those ideas in and I was inspired by them just with my marketing brain. I was always taking in different, different businesses or seeing different cool things. Um, but I didn't act on them. And it's one of those ideas I've, I've had a, had a ton good and horrible, uh, um, over, over the years, but, um, that one just burned with me for a long time. And I knew coffee wasn't necessarily my thing. Uh, but I really enjoyed the um, camaraderie and the creativity, ingenuity of the craft beer industry. Um, so as I got a bit older and out of school and had these kind of diverse working experiences, um, boom, there the wheel brew popped into my mind. Um, and I just, uh, the, the final straw was being at a friend's wedding. And the bar there was just a, a Home Depot folding table with a tablecloth over it with all the liquor on it. And for the most visited segment of, uh, of a wedding, um, I just thought there, there had to be a better way. And I looked around, there was no one else doing it in the country. There was a lot, there was a few kicking around in South America where the laws were a little more, um, lenient, uh, and over in Australia as well, but there was nothing here in Canada. Um, so that was that moment where it just started burning inside my head severely. And I had to, I had to do something and it, it just kept knocking down the door until, until the point where um, I became completely, um, I wasn't risk averse anymore. I, I just went for it. I went out and I remember fearfully buying my, uh, my first truck Howard um, and standing alongside my dad and telling him what I was going to do to it uh, to take a 1940s extremely rare and unique vehicle and drill holes in the side of it. And I remember him saying, 
um, that's crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I went ahead with it anyway. And um, after probably the greatest, it's been three years, probably the craziest, wildest, biggest learning experience in my life that um, it's, it's just continuously growing and expanding. And I think it's, uh, I've, I have proof of concept that people, people love it. Um, people love how unique it is. It turns heads. And I think it did fill that niche gap that maybe none of us really thought about, or maybe did and just didn't act on it. Um, and that's another thing where you can, where you can find some, uh, some success is just going that route. So that's why I went with, uh, with the mobile business model is bring, bring beer to the people and connecting them with awesome local craft beer. And, uh, it's kind of, kind of continued with the with the bottle shop as that clip ends off we are officially into the second half of seasons three but again i want to give a huge shout out to the guest lineup uh for the first half of season three every episode uh that was delivered it has at least one piece of content that everyone can listen to and take something about va- and take something valuable from regardless of what you're interested in. So to, again, to the guests that uh, were in the season that were in the first half of season three, thank you, thank you, thank you to our listeners. We are playing to do the exact same thing, which is bring you quality guests, bring you quality insight, and bring you quality content that you can enjoy wherever, whenever, and again, take something valuable from it, regardless of what you're interested in. But there's lots more to come. Stay tuned. It is going to be an absolutely electric second half of season two. We hope you enjoy, you'll, you'll join us along for the ride. But until then, that is it for this episode. Thank you very much for, for tuning in. Uh, feel free to follow us on, on social media, on Instagram at Spima Council Podcast, at TikTok on Spima Council Podcast, and feel free to subscribe to our anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube feeds as well. Stay classy, take care, and we'll see you guys soon. Cheers, everyone.